Welcome to St James Bible Bites. This podcast was recorded live at our Sunday morning service and the full recording can be found on our Facebook page. The readings are taken from Psalm 23 and Matthew chapter 6 beginning at verse 5. Today we continue our sermon series, You Are Not On Your Own, and the talk is entitled The Lord's Prayer by our vicar, the Reverend Fabian Vertz. So let's reflect on the words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will feel no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5, and just headed prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for prayer. We are not alone in this world, and you long to hear our words. Simple straightforward as we look at this amazing prayer Jesus gave us warm our hearts open our minds help us to pray amen so good morning we are in this new series of you are not your own and the Lord's Prayer And it's going to be from now to the end of the summer. So today is an introduction of the Lord's Prayer. 
and then we'll go phrase by phrase throughout the summer. We'll take our time to unpack the Lord's Prayer. Um, if you're interested, um, there is an author called Kenneth E. Bailey, uh, and if you're interested, you can go, Jesus Through the Middle Eastern Eyes. He has a very, very good chapter on the Lord's Prayer, but also lots on parables and beatitudes. He's been a teacher um, in the Middle East for 40 years. He lived there. So he has this insight of the Middle East culture, which, of course, was the culture of Jesus. So I highly recommend that book if you're interested in digging a little bit deeper into the culture of Jesus' time. In this book, he tells a story uh, at the time he was teaching, and that's a story of a lecture he gave in Riga, in one of the Latvian church there. And he said that most participants there were between 25 and 30, which meant that all their education had been in the communist state system which was determined to indoctrinate them in atheism. So he asked one of the young women about how she came to faith. Was there a church in your village, he asked. No, the communists closed all of them, she replied. Did some saintly godmother instructed you in the ways of God? No, all the members of my family were atheists, she said. Did you have a secret home Bible studies? Or was there an underground church in your area? None of that came the answer. So what happened? And then she told him her story. At funerals, we were allowed to recite the Lord's Prayer. As a young child, I heard those strange words and had no idea who we were talking to what the words meant, where they came from, or why we were reciting them. When freedom came, at last, I had the opportunity to search for their meaning. When you are in total darkness, the tiniest point of light is very bright. For me, the Lord's Prayer was that point of light. By the time I found its meaning, I was a Christian. I think the Lord's Prayer is possibly the part of the Bible that is still known or recognized by a large number of people across the world. Mostly you learned it at school, you had to learn it by heart, and still today I think in most uh, Church of England schools, at least at St. James, uh, the children know the Lord's Prayer and they will recite it regularly. Now in our reading this morning, before Jesus moved to that teaching, to that prayer, Jesus had some instruction about how to pray. And two things was about what not to do, and one thing was about what to do. First, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, Jesus said. Second, when you pray, do go in a secret place and pray to the Father in secret. And third, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. And if you look at the text, Jesus speaks about don't do like the hypocrites referring to his own people, the Jews, and don't use too many words referring to the non-Jews, the Gentiles. So he was pointing to his contemporary, whether they were Jews and Gentiles, 
saying how not to do it like they do, but how then to come about what, with what attitudes to go for your prayers. And of course here we're speaking about kind of private prayers, your prayers to God. So we will use those three points, but in reverse, because three points is always a good sermon, you know, three points. There you go, three points. Two things you not to do, and one thing to do. So let's start. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. What was Jesus thinking when he was saying those words? Strangely, we know that Jesus, when he was praying in the gospel, we have some of his prayers, they were not very long. And when we were praying for the sick, they were very, very short prayers. Yet at the same time, we also know that Jesus would regularly spend long times in prayers, sometimes all nights. So what happened if on the one hand don't use too many words, and yet he was able to spend long time with his father? Now, fathers in the eastern side of the churches um, were then thinking maybe Jesus' way of praying was a lot about silence. And here's one what uh, an Easter church father wrote about stillness and silence. Stillness is a deliberate denial of the gift of words for the sake of achieving inner silence, in the midst of which a person can hear the presence of God, being silent and prayerful before God. There is a resurgent of silent prayer in churches. I don't know if you've tried it. I have and it's a disaster for me. You go to this, and there's sometimes a dong, and it says, the silence starts now, and you know it's for 30 minutes. And you're there, and after 30 seconds, your head is full of thoughts, and it's hard. It's hard. But I like to think about an experience I had in South Africa when we were driving in one of the very desert type of places in South Africa where you can experience real silence. I've never experienced that because I think in most Western Europe, there is no silence. Even if you are out in, uh, in the Quantock, you might hear an airplane or something. There will always be something in the background, some kind of noise. But there, there was complete silence. And I can tell you, you can hear it. You can hear silence. And I think when we experience real silence or stillness with God, that's how we can hear God, in a sense. Maybe first we hear a lot about ourselves, and that's not bad. All the things that bothers us are anxious. Maybe the things we're not conscious because we might be so used to entertain ourselves or distract ourselves that we're not aware of those. But when we take a little bit of silence, those come to the surface. And those are good times to start talking to God about it. God, I realize I'm thinking about that. I think I'm worried about this. God, I think about this. And I bring you. And as we bring, maybe we get into a place of more stillness and able to maybe hear God better. But Jesus criticized the Gentiles for their long prayers. So maybe it's not really just stillness, but it's the way we use words. They address their God, including the emperor, with long salutations, seeking to use all the correct titles, lest the gods took offense. Now, something that might help us understand uh, this is what a Persian scholar wrote to an American Christian missionary who was well-known because he was a great distinguished professor of medicine in Beirut. And this is how 
he started a note um, with a gift that he was sending him. A souvenir to the esteemed spiritual physician and religious philosopher, His Excellency, the only and most learned who has no second in his age, Dr. Cornelius Van Dyck, the American. As a souvenir presented to his loftiness and goodness, and to him that is above titles, who is a transmitter of knowledge and a founder of perfections, and a possessor of high qualities, an owner of praiseworthy character, the pivot of the circle of science. And it goes on and on and on. In this passage, Jesus declares that God neither needs nor wants any of this. The one who prays toward Jesus must talk to God in simple, direct fashion. Do not heap up empty phrases. Now, to be fair, it's so easy. So easy to fall into the trap of thinking that long prayers spoken with eloquence are good prayers. And short, simple, childlike, to-the-point prayers are immature prayers. I just remember the first time I mustered the courage, and you must remember that too, the mustered the courage to pray out loud in a group. Can you remember? Your heart beating, kind of sweating. Why is it so? If we had learned that prayer is just talking like normal people, why did we find it so difficult? Maybe because we were accustomed to people who we felt, wow, they, they, you know, their prayer life is like amazing. Be just simple, childlike, to the point. I was very saddened because sometimes it stops people for praying. Someone said, uh, I was visiting for home communion, and that person said, oh, you pray because you're the expert. It's so sad. And even after a conversation with that person, she said, you know, actually, I even struggled praying on my own because I don't know what to say. I said, just talk. <laughs> just use simple words. God calls us to be simple and to the point. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, for your father knows already what you need, even before you ask him. So relax. Be yourself. Second, when you pray, go in a secret place. I wonder if you have a place, a secret place, a place where you feel at home with God. I uh, changed my office uh, space, which is like a little box. So I put my desk uh, on the top floor um, because we, we have this huge ensuite bedroom and there is a room that's normally just for clothes, you know, those kind of rooms. So now my desk is there. And the box became the reflective. And I had this great hope, oh, this is going to be the place. I'm going to meet with God. It's been now taken by all my children. They say, oh, but that's the reflective place. You know, I open the door to, be, to have a time alone, and my, my daughter is there enjoying herself. She says, oh, no, there's all those holy books around here. This is nice. So I know that for some very busy people with busy families, sometimes it's the bathroom, the place where they can talk to God. They can close the door and be with God. For, 
For many, maybe it's just a walk in nature. Maybe there is a place in nature where you like to go. Be with God. For some, you will have to wake up a little bit earlier before the madness of the day starts with the family or stay a little bit later just to be with God. Whatever it is, the truth is that you will need regular time with God, your Heavenly Father, to be with Him. A guy called Leonard Ravenhill, you might have heard him, he was an English revivalist, said, no man or woman is greater than his or her prayer life. The pastor or vicar who is not praying is playing. The people who are not playing are straying. We have many organizers but few agonizers. Many players and payers but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Men, much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, and we fail everywhere. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now here again, Jesus says, when you pray, not if you feel like praying, or if you pray, no, when you pray. He is expecting us to pray. When you pray, find that place where you can be on your own with the fathers. He will seize it in secret, and he will reward you. So what's that kind of reward? What is Jesus talking about? He doesn't say that he might reward you, but if he thinks about it, there is a good chance God will reward you. No, he will reward you. Jesus gives three significant ways in which prayers is rewarded in this passage. The first is that it brings you into an intimate communion relationship with God. Our Father, our Dad, our Maker. And this is the first time in Scripture that God is addressed as Father in that personal way. That's one of the rewards. You will know God in a personal, intimate way. The second reward is that prayer brings us into alignment with his will. Allowed be your name. You are holy. Teach me, help me to live a life that expresses your character. God makes his own name holy. I'm called to live a holy life. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God brings in the kingdom, and I am to work towards that goal. So my thoughts, my desire, my longings get aligned to God's thoughts, God's desire, God's longing, so that through my life, through your life, his kingdom is coming here on earth as it is already a reality in heaven. And then third, the reward is God's provision. And so in that prayer, we have give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we forgive also our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's cover our physical, moral, and spiritual needs. Those are the rewards that God will give to those who take the time to be with their Heavenly Father. 
So the first one is when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. When you pray, do go in that secret places. Be with your Father. And finally, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, hypocrites is a favorite word in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a Greek word which originally means an actor. Someone putting a mask and acting that role. It was about performing for an audience. And so the aim of a hypocrite is to act. In a sense, that was not negative. But it becomes negative when the acting was directed in the wrong way. Performing in such a way, doing prayers so that they will receive praises from people. I already said that the kind of reward when we come and we pray to the Father in secret, Jesus here speaks of two rewards, human rewards and God's rewards. And so if you want human rewards, Jesus said, then pray like the hypocrites. They love to pray in public to be seen, to be admired, to draw attention to themselves. But unfortunately, that's all they get, human admiration. They miss the three rewards of the Lord's Prayer. They miss being intimate with the Father. They miss hearing God and being aligned to his will. They miss God providing for their physical, moral, and spiritual needs. There's a word here that says they have or paid in full. That's it. If that's the kind of prayer you do, that's all you'll get. Human praise. Now, it's important to note here that Jesus is not forbidding public or communal prayer as such. And that communion and when we pray, it's important to craft our prayer. We want to be helpful. We want to have articulated prayers. But we should never forget that the essence of our private or public prayers is a relationship. We are talking to God, not to people. We are not trying to impress with our words. And if someone has the gift of crafty words, great. But if we come and we ask someone who doesn't have and have simple prayers, they are as precious to God as the others. We are talking to our heavenly dad. So let's be mindful of how we pray. And I thought to finish with, just to go through the Lord's Prayer slowly. And I will make a comparison, as you know, we've read Psalm 23. And there is a good way to compare Psalm 23 with the Lord's Prayer and with some of the promises in Scripture. So let's take our time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In Psalm 23 it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus reminds us that he is our good shepherd, giving his life for his sheep. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is about God's promise, pledge, paternal care. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Psalm 23 says, those who recognize the Lord as their shepherd will be guided in right path, bringing honor to his name. Their lives will reflect God's character. Jesus himself said, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. What is the work God has given you to do for his glory? That's about purpose, passion, and principle. Give us this day our daily bread. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He will meet my daily needs. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters, refreshing my soul. This is about God's grace and provision. The rest he wants to give us and the peace. And forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. He refreshed my souls. He restores my souls, says Psalm 23. This is about pardon, mercy, reconciliation, restoration. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. This is God's promise of protection, the presence of his Holy Spirit, the comforter, the defender. So Lord, as we continue to explore how to pray, encourage us, lead us, strengthen us. Amen. For more Bible Bite podcasts, simply visit our website www.stjamestaunton.co.uk and click on resources. Thank you for listening and may God be with you today.